I've listened to Eliminator by ZZ Top for months. And I listened to it once yesterday. Welcome to Spin It. everybody and welcome back to spin it the record ranking podcast for people who would rather be listening to music i'm james that's connor and this is the podcast tpc in the house tpc the people's champion are you trying to call yourself you nailed it you nailed it glad to see that the uh title is catching on it's not catching on if you just say it about yourself (laughs) that's totally different you knew what the acronym stood for it's catching on anyway this week we're talking about zz top and Eliminator. Now, last time we talked about anything bluesy much, you just didn't like it. It was it was a part of a pretty significant slump for you, if I recall. Yeah, those of us in the Spin It podcast community call that the dark ages. The dark ages of the, of the <laughs> 30s. In a very short span of time, we did America by 30 Seconds to Mars, which is one of the lowest scores you've given. We also did, in quick succession, Janis Joplin's Cheap Thrills and Stevie Ray Vaughan's The Sky is Crying, neither of which seemed to impress you too much. Weren't very impressive. (laughs) I guess not. But I'm trying once again to redeem the blues in your eyes Mm. with a little more, even more of a rock edge. You didn't like the acid rock of Janis Joplin. We kind of went for the guitar-driven, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan style. We're going even rocker today. Are we off it? You might be. (laughs) That's what you get for being a semi-automatic 11. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Anyway, one of the reasons I picked ZZ Top this week was because of a strange series of events that happened to me in the past year, whereby I accidentally saw ZZ Top live twice, and I never meant to. (laughs) I didn't mean to even once. Please explain. That's a bizarre thing that's never happened to me before. The first time, I was on a road trip, and I was passing through Little Rock, Arkansas, spending the night in town, and I was grabbing dinner down by the river, and I saw there was an event happening at the amphitheater. I was like, oh, cool, an event. Let me go look. Turns out, it was a ZZ Top concert. I didn't buy a ticket, but since it was an amphitheater, I stood outside the fence for a minute and listened to a lot of their opening set, and they were not bad. I didn't know a lot of ZZ Top at the time, but they played some hits, and I was like, awesome, this is pretty cool. So that was the first time. A month goes by, like 30 days, and I am headed to a Willie Nelson concert. Didn't really look at the rest of the lineup. He was kind of headlining a bit of a a traveling music festival, you know? I show up at the concert, and I look at who's about to open for Willie Nelson. You know who it is? It's ZZ Top. (laughs) So within 30 days, I saw ZZ Top live twice, and I meant to zero times. But they were great both times, and that inspired me to give Eliminator a chance. And giving Eliminator a chance inspired me to give the podcast a crack at zz top and eliminator so that's the full story of how we got here interesting and now we're here and now we're here and now we get to learn the whole story of how zz top got the opportunity to play live for me twice let's hear the events leading up to that from their point of view zz top is three-piece band out of houston texas its most famous longtime lineup consists of vocalist and guitarist billy gibbons drummer frank beard who is ironically the only one without an actual beard and 
bassist Dusty Hill, who passed away in 2021 and was subsequently replaced by Elwood Francis, who was formerly the band's guitar tech. But the three of them, Gibbons, Beard, and Hill, started playing music together in 1970, and their status as one trio for 51 years actually made them the band with the longest constant lineup in the history of popular music. Very tight-knit. Nice. None of these lineup changes, none of these yeses with six different bands and three different versions. Only one's Easy Top. Only one. Yeah. Billy Gibbons and the band's first drummer, Dan Mitchell, came from a band called Moving Sidewalks, who had to break up after half their members got drafted into the army. And for a short time, they played with Billy Etheridge, who actually was a bandmate of Stevie Ray Vaughan. So, little loose spin cycle tie-in. Billy Gibbons is also the one credited with inventing the name ZZ Top. He said that they loved artists that did the double letter thing, for example, B.B. King and ZZ Hill, and he said, let's just combine those. But they thought that ZZ King was a little too derivative, not distinct enough. And then they thought, you know, where's the king? The king is at the top of the hierarchy or whatever. And so ZZ Top came from ZZ King. Makes sense. It does. What an iconic name that really doesn't mean anything inherently. It's a pretty good name. It is. It's It's got a good zing to it. Most major American labels weren't really interested in the band early on, so they took a deal with Britain's Decca Records in 1969, and that's actually what forced Etheridge out of the band. He didn't want to sign on to a contract, but luckily for them, Dusty Hill did. And in 1971, the band released ZZ Top's first album, ZZ Top's first album. Nailed it. Nailed it. They... They couldn't have been more literal in their album title. It tells you exactly what it is. Yeah, it's frank, to the point. People praise their blues-rocky guitar, their rhythmicality, and their humor, which are all traits that they would very much grow and develop over the course of their entire career. By 1973, they were putting out albums that would hit number eight on the Billboard 200, and their third album, Trace Hombres, which is funny because they are Trace Hombres, it produced hits like LaGrange, which is a song that you probably know but don't know you know. They wrote it about a local Texas brothel. Nice. But you've definitely heard LaGrange. I'm awful with names and things, so I'm sure I have. I'm sure you have. Hold on, let me play it. Oh, yeah, I know this one. Yeah. Who doesn't know this song? Everybody knows LaGrange. That's ZZ Top. I think I actually knew that. I just didn't know that's what the song was called. Like, if you had started playing that song, I would have told you it was a ZZ Top song. Oh, interesting. Yeah, well, another album and one worldwide Texas tour later, the band was ready for a break. Their contract with Decca Records had expired, and they decided to go on a hiatus. They spent some time apart and in rehab for their increasing drug use. They traveled for pleasure even taking day jobs sometimes just to get a sense of normalcy back into their lives. So what started as a little break ended up lasting for nearly two years. And over that period of time is when Dusty Hill and Billy Gibbons started growing their now iconic beards. Iconic. Absolutely. I mean, what a look. It's really what sets the band apart. What? Ooh, here's a question. What's more iconic? ZZ Top's beards or Eric Church's chief hat and glasses beards yeah it is you're right that was kind of a, a gimme question <laughs> yeah that was, that was no competition i wanted to try and make it interesting but it was really too easy if you want to make it interesting you could ask the question what's more iconic the beards or the mixtaper does that make it more interesting <laughs> how are we defining iconic <laughs> yes uh beards that's the look the band came back together rejuvenated and in full force in 1979 and signed with warner brothers records and dropped a new album called Deguayo, 
and another, El Loco, featuring hits like Pearl Necklace and Cheap Sunglasses. So, this first decade of their lifetime, they've got a pretty fair share of success. They're going strong with some chart placements, some platinum records, hit singles, etc., etc. They're doing alright. But then, they release their 8th record, Eliminator, in 1983, and it blows the doors wide open for the band. It features some of their all-time most popular hits, including Give Me All Your Loving, Legs, Sharp Dressed Man, TV Dinners, and more, much more. It's a pretty great combo of their established humor, their blues rock sound, and influence from artists like Depeche Mode and Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. People also really love the music videos for their songs, too. They introduced their iconic sheepskin covered spinning guitars in the video for legs that they still use in their concerts i saw those in the concert and and i was like oh that's the thing i i I knew that it was very cool they also really tried to push the boundaries of what their music was known for they introduced a lot more synthesizers kind of tried to adapt to popular music trends of the day while still staying true to their roots and that blend is something that makes eliminator really interesting i agree yeah it peaked on the charts in the united states at number nine and it's the band's only album to be certified diamond with more than 11 million copies sold to date and uh like i said they they really tried to bend this album to make it what the people were wanting they focused really hard on keeping the tempo fast and the production tight toy huh so keeping it toy yeah <laughs> they realized a lot of hit songs were coming out right in that 120 to 130 bpm range and they wanted to see if they could keep the pace with that so they started working with drum machines you know synths all kinds of other layered vocals just interesting stuff And there was some interesting behind-the-scenes work that went into this record, too. A lot of it was written and co-written by Gibbons' friend and engineer, Lyndon Hudson, but he actually wasn't credited very readily. And he successfully sued the band for $600,000 a couple years after the record's release because he didn't get the credit he deserved for working on the record. I see. Mm -hmm. And Gibbons did a lot of work on this record by himself. He took a trip to Memphis to do some recording, and he actually laid down a lot of the record alone and had Frank and Dusty add their parts on later, even though a lot of what they did add kind of got tweaked around and replaced and mixed up. Billy loved a loud guitar, but uh, when he recorded, they actually turned the guitar up so loud, he couldn't even lift his fingers off the strings without causing feedback. So what they did was they just tracked each different chord in the song separately, which is insane. Every time he needed to play, like, let's say the chord progression is like, I don't know, G, A minor, C, D, or something. He would just play a G chord where it was meant to go in the song, and then they'd wait the required amount of measures till the next G chord came along, and then he would play that, and that would be one track. And they'd make a, they'd make oh, a new track. And they'd have to keep doing the song over and over. Yeah, With one chord <laughs> each time, that. because moving his fingers would just make such a bad sound. That's awesome. Yeah, so when you hear how clean and tight the guitar sounds on this record, a lot of that is because it's missing a lot of the time or the sounds that happen as you would change chords or move your hand around the neck. That is just straight up absent from a lot of parts of this record, which is so interesting. If you're curious about the title of the record Eliminator, it's a term that comes from the wonderful world of drag racing. It's a specific term for a category of cars that compete. You know, you have like an Eliminator race. Yeah. I I tried to look it up. I've, I've participated in a drag race. You have. Did you win? Uh-huh. One of the legs, yeah. One of the rounds, whatever you want to call it. Like you drove in a drag race. I didn't know this. Yeah. Why didn't I know this? <laughs> we drag raced bikes we built. Oh, 
Okay, so not like a car. Well, no, but it's a bike that gets up to like 30 miles an hour when you are going in a straight line with nothing in front of you. You can get it up to 30 miles an hour, if not faster. That's pretty fast. It's a recumbent style, too, so you're like half laying down, pedaling, going 30 miles an hour in a straight freaking line with somebody else doing it right next to you, trying to beat them. That's fun. <laughs> it's, it was pretty cool. That sounds cool. I've always wondered about drag racing because, like, I don't, I don't mean to, like, discredit it as a sport because I'm sure I don't know anything about it. But, like, don't you just floor it? Is that not, like... I mean, yeah, basically. What yeah. are we doing here? What's the competition? How can I how can I improve at drag racing? Get a better car. <laughs> like, could I just hop into a really good car and floor it and have a chance in a professional drag race? Oh, I mean, the shifting is the key, right? It's all about your shifting. Okay, I'd need an automatic. <laughs> <laughs> not going to go very fast. <laughs> it's all about that transition from one gear to the next is where you gain or lose speed and time. That's, like, pretty much the only thing you can control. <laughs> Everything else is how good your car. <laughs> I'd probably lose a drag race because I'd pull the parachute halfway through the track and chicken out. I'd be coming at that wall a little too fast. Not that there's a wall at the end of it. That'd be stupid. I don't know what happens at a drag race. Maybe I should go. Anyway. Usually you do deploy a chute to slow yourself down faster. But... Yeah, but not like you're not in peril. Anyway, Eliminator, that's the title of the record. And as a matter of fact, it's also the name of Billy Gibbons' car. He had just bought a custom 1933 Ford, the same car that you see on the cover. Yeah. The band loved it. They wanted to put it into their work somehow. Turns out, makes a great album cover. And they were like, right like this. Perfect, yeah. Well, like this and like everything. It, it's it been in music videos for decades. It's, it's on the album cover. It's in artwork. There are photos with it. It's on like almost every one of their album covers, if not all of them. It, they love the Eliminator. They love this car. <laughs> and that's great. The car today is most often on display at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Cleveland, Ohio. But when Gibbons is in town, he still likes to take it out for a spin, hop in and drive it away, which who can blame him? Look at the thing. So if you're in Cleveland and see that car driving around, you know that's Billy Gibbons in there. And he's got legs. He's got legs. He knows how to use them. <laughs> he's got legs and TV dinners. <laughs> that's right. After Eliminator came out, they took on an even bigger tour than the Worldwide Texas Tour, going all around the United States and Europe. And the success of Eliminator really carried over into their next album, Afterburner. It charted at number four in the U.S., which you'll note is higher than Eliminator peaked. They would go on to release six more studio albums for a total of 15 over their career. Their most recent was in 2012. Whoa! And in the last two decades, they've released four live albums and continued to tour pretty extensively, as you saw. And, as a matter of fact, two of those tours you were at. made stops in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh -huh. <laughs> and Cincinnati, Ohio. And that is the story of how ZZ Top got to perform for me. The end. The end. Yeah. And can I tell you, they should thank me. Because in all that effort to get ready to perform for me, they got some hardware. They cleaned up at the VMA Awards in the 80s, which was kind of a shock for a lot of people who started following them back in the 70s. Honestly, the beards, the gimmicks, and the humor is really what took them over the top and kind of made them perfect for the music video era, I think. They're very recognizable, very iconic, very fun to watch. In 1994, they earned a spot on Hollywood's Rock Walk, and I know we celebrated Phil Collins' status as an honorary Texan way back in the day, but ZZ Top have been declared official heroes for the state of Texas. 
by the Texas House of Representatives. Dang. So they're not honorary Texans. They're they're Texas heroes. That would have been a real interesting thing for the mixtaper to be able to bring. Yeah, I guess it would have. Too bad somebody somehow figured that out. It's one of their awards. You can't expect me not to find an award. Yeah, that's fair. And because they're Texas heroes, they got their own ZZ Top Day, which has happened annually since 1991. And in 2004, the band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame by none other than Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones. You passed this time. I did. Also, trivia tidbits, you might be, you know, the mixtaper might still be happy about this because I didn't look into it very deliberately. The band has made a lot of cameo appearances in film and TV that, you know, I don't know about. I just know that they have because that's prime factor spin <laughs> territory. So uh, let's see if we learn more about those TV appearances or other various ZZ Top things right now with another week of fact or spin. Hey, it's me. The Mixtaper. Hello, Mixtaper. Welcome back to the show. How are you feeling? I'm doing pretty good. I'm a little hungry, though, actually. Hang on. Let me get a little snack. Snacks? What are you What are you doing? What is that? Oh. A little ASMR for the audience. Nobody here. wants to hear this. <laughs> here, now I'm going to take a bite of it. Hang on. Ready? No, nope, I'm cutting the bite out. You will not hear the bite. Instead, <laughs> enjoy this fun sound effect. Uh, you know, uh, the Mixtaper. You know, I'm a, I'm a big fan of charity. <laughs> Okay, good non sequitur, yeah. I love me a good charity cause. Okay. And I don't even know if that's really, count. it's not really charity where I'm going with this, but I just want to say I like charity. I just wanted to let the record show the mixtaper is a philanthropist. <laughs> yeah, but you know, as a philanthropist, sometimes that comes out in just supporting causes or groups or individuals, right? It doesn't necessarily have to be an actual charity. And so, you know, I was at the store picking up some ingredients to make some more pumpernickel bread. And outside were was uh, some Girl Scouts selling cookies. <laughs> Okay, is this an advertisement for Girl Scout cookies? No, just, I mean, it could be Girl Scouts of America. If you want to pay us, we'll advertise for you. I don't think they do after this. <laughs> uh, I'm just wanted to let you know I'm munching down on some Thin Mints while we play Factor Spin today. Okay, I'm a fan of charity. That's why I'm eating Thin Mints. <laughs> Whatever. But anyway, in other mixtaper news, I'm thinking about growing a beard. Are you? That would be interesting. So you can match ZZ Top? Yeah. Well, I figure I'm already more iconic than them, so to really just rub salt in the wound, I'll also grow a beard so I have a more iconic beard than them. Okay. You could try. I think they've kind of cornered the market on beards. Almost as much as I love charity, I also love over-celebrating the win. You know, just really basking in the in the glory. I can believe that. Yeah, I really do. And, uh, yeah, so let's get into a bunch of facts about their cameo appearances. Oh, do you have some? All my facts are about cameo appearances. Really? Wow. No. <laughs> I was like, what a perfect segue that I made. And no, no. Yeah, okay. Uh, but I, I have kind of been missing the fun little meta game we, we we played in the past i do want you to pick a number one through four. Oh, okay we haven't done that since since the eagles i think yeah i've missed it and this week it's safe i even double and triple checked you triple checked your facts <laughs> to make sure they could go in any order wonderful yeah well let's go backwards this time maybe let's start with number four number four. Oh, an oldie but goodie uh-oh their music has been played in space oh this is a good one we haven't seen this since what pink floyd pink floyd yeah but I I don't even think Pink Floyd was played in space at the time. You just said that they shot it into space. 
And I don't even remember if that was true. Yeah, I don't remember if it was true either. I think it was. Let's take a look. <laughs> Pink Floyd. Oh, no, you're right. Pink Floyd has the first rock album to be played in space, and it's a fact. Yeah, there you go. So ZZ Top has been played in space. What music of theirs has made the astronomical cut? A previously unreleased song called Flying High. Okay, previously unreleased. So they took the song, made it, sent it to space, and played it, and no one else has ever heard it? Uh-huh. I mean, it was played publicly. Oh, oh, you, like the people on the space station heard it. Mm-hmm. And no one's heard it since? Well, and I think anybody, like, I, I think it was broadcast, you know, like, from camera feed. That's interesting. Yeah. But, like, so does it exist now? Could I find it if I wanted to? I think so, yeah. Okay. That makes it less special. I'm a little disappointed. Why ZZ Top and why this song? Did they write it specifically for space? I don't know. I don't think so. I think it was just a pre-release recording. Did they get permission from somebody? Did they know an astronaut that really liked their music? I don't know. What's the deal? I think an astronaut just really liked their music. They're like, here, have this when you for when you go to space. That's really cool. When was this? 2011. Oh, pretty recent. I mean, in the grand scheme of ZZ Top's career... Is there anything else I need to know? I'm feeling a certain way about this. I mean, you don't need to know anything. Well, that's mean and true. (laughs) I think this is maybe true. Oh, maybe true. What's the gut say? Let's get a gut check. I've given up on that. (laughs) Oh, we're giving up on the gut? (laughs) Well, so I'm still lossless since your lossless streak ended. So there's that. Yeah, but I'm also lossless at this point, right? Two in a row? We're both lossless? No, I won last week. Did you win last week? That's unfortunate. I did. Yeah, it is. So it's a nice try on your part. I think I'm going to stick with fact. Stick with fact. I mean, what astronaut doesn't love ZZ Top? I know that's painting with a broad brush. All the ones that are part of the astronauts against ZZ Top club. (laughs) Is that a club? I think you just made that. That's a spin. You just made that up. (laughs) It's a real club and I'm a part of it. Hold on, hold on. I'm an astronaut. (laughs) Yeah, I was about to say, does that make you? I mean, I have a blimp that's close enough. Take the blimp into space. I don't think it can, but okay. (laughs) This is a fact hey all right one for one starting strong it was played publicly for the first time on the spacecraft soyuz whilst en route to the international space station oh en route that was like their road trip music yeah (laughs) that's awesome pretty cool what do i have to do to get a song played in space do you think we can once we make connor's hippin and hoppin album we should get it played in space absolutely we should get it played in space and we could be the first podcast to have an album played in space i don't even know if that's true but we can claim it (laughs) it's not like things being untrue stops you from asserting them hey i don't know what you're talking about well case in point this next fact fact number three they performed for an audience of one see that's a spin no i'm just kidding who was their audience of one they don't know what to this day they don't know his name he refuses to tell them it was like in a venue they went to a venue and put on a show for one guy yep what did he like do that thing where he's like really rich and just buys all the tickets or was he the only one that showed up he's the only one that showed up how, <laughs> how does that happen he's the only one that bought a ticket was this like in the early days before they were kind of known yeah it was like one of their first gigs so he just showed up listened to them perform had a great time and then left anonymously no oh he showed up listened to them play had a bad time Here, here's where we're at. I'll, I'll give you a couple details that maybe will spur more accurate questions. I'm sorry, yeah. So they were at this venue. You know, they were up on stage, curtains closed. Yeah. They can't see the audience. No, as most curtains prohibit you from doing. Curtains open to start the show. Only one guy in the audience looking around like, am I in the wrong place? What's going on? Starts to leave. They grab the microphone and tell him, hold up, hold up. We're going to perform our entire set for you if you're willing to stick around. 
Wow. And so that's what they did. So he did stick around. Yeah. And they even bought him a Coke. How'd they buy him a Coke and not know his name? Did they get a picture together? I don't know. I don't know. They probably got a picture together. I don't know. But yeah, they, they took a break partway through, came down, talked to him, kind of had a chit chat. Why would you still just be on the stage? I'd like, I don't know, have him come up there and hang around. I'd take requests. I mean, we just have a good old time. Maybe they did. I mean, this was pretty early on. They're not going to have any requests, probably. Well, not of their original songs. I'm sure they everyone plays covers. Sure. sure at sure, some sure. point. Anyway. But uh, the reason I say they don't know his name is because to this day, he still comes around to some of their shows and stuff. And they, he just goes, remember me? And they're like, of course we remember you. Because he refuses to tell them his name. <laughs> he just shows up. What if he... Mm, uh-huh. We should all coordinate so that we can make another show where he's the only one there. Like the good old times. <laughs> like, if everyone just agrees not to go. Their final concert. But also that means we would have to know who he is. I think this is a spin. Oh, this is a spin. Would it change your mind if I told you this happened in Alvin, Texas? No. I, oh, okay. It wouldn't. <laughs> that was just the only other detail I had. Well, like, if I'm a guy <laughs> going to a show like this, am I going to bring a friend? Probably. I don't know, are you? I, I would try. So for this to be just like one guy in the audience, no offense, but he kind of has to be a loser. <laughs> Did you bring a friend to either of your ZZ Top concerts? Well, the first time I was there on a road trip and I didn't actually buy a ticket, so they would have been playing to an audience of zero if, if no one else showed up to that show the second time i went with my mom so that was pretty cool oh so you did bring somebody yeah right, that works so out it would have been an audience of two i stand corrected yeah so i am perfectly allowed <laughs> i'm perfectly within my rights to dunk on this guy who showed up alone <laughs> dunk away loser i think this is a spin i don't even think this guy is real i bet they've played small shows but i don't think an audience of one seems possible hmm. this is a fact this is a fact <laughs> they played for yep. one dude Here's a Twitter post with a video about it. Oh, and I called this guy a loser. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yeah, you did. That's amazing. What a really great fact. I know. That is so funny. You've come with good facts lately from the artists themselves. I mean, you had the Eric Church telling about the knives. Now you've got Gibbons talking about this. You're on it. I wouldn't be surprised if next week you shut me out. I'm still planning to shut you out this week. What? I don't... You can't. That ship has sailed. Sure I can. We're not counting the first one. Oh. The first one was a mulligan. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Give me fact number two. Fact number two. They were offered a large sum of money. Was it by that one guy to come play for him again? <laughs> yeah. Anonymous. <laughs> how large a sum are we talking? How many How many zeros? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. It's time to play everybody's second favorite spinning game show. Guess that dollar amount. I don't think it's everybody's second favorite spinning game show. I'm going to guess, what's a large sum of money? I don't know. What is? A million dollars. You nailed it. Look at you go. Okay. A million dollars. I feel like I haven't nailed anything because I don't know what they were offered a large <laughs> sum of money for. I just, you said, <laughs> someone said a big number to them. And I also said a big number and got it right. <laughs> what were they offered a million dollars for? To shave their beards. Oh, who offered them a million dollars to shave? What? Now, to be clear, they're, they're talking about Billy and Dusty. They weren't just asking Frank to shave. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be even funnier. It would be. They offered Frank a million dollars to shave. Anyway. But yes, Billy and Dusty. Get rid of the beards. Whom? Whomst? Gillette. Oh, Gillette. Uh-huh. Ooh. That's a really good advertising campaign. Uh-huh. That's what they thought when they offered them a million dollars. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> but even even offering it, though, is a pretty good publicity stunt. I'll be honest. If, if it was public 
public. How long have they grown their beards? I mean, I know I said they started in, what, 1978, 79, but, like, how long did it take them to get to the length that they are now? How much regrowth are we talking after they would have shaved? I don't know. I know it was they didn't start them until, like, 10 years into their career. True. I mean, did they need to offer a specific reason to turn them down? Because, I mean... I, again, their beards are almost as iconic as you are. Almost. So I can understand why they'd say no, but did they give any other reason? No, not really. Just that they didn't want to do it. Understandable. So Gillette got to keep their million dollars. Did they make anyone else shave? <laughs> I'm sure they, they've made a lot of people shave in commercials over the years. That's true. Hey, Gillette, I'll shave for a million. I will once I have my beard. That's more iconic than, than ZZ Tops. You'll, you'll grow a beard for a million and then shave it off. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I think this is that's a lot of money. Gillette's got a lot of money. They do. And I'm thinking, what would you spend on an advertising campaign of that scale in other conditions? And it's probably a million. When did they do this? That's another. we got to account for, like, inflation. Yeah, we do. Uh, 1984. Okay. A million 1984 dollars is not a million today dollars. No. Uh, what do you think it is? No, I don't know. Two million eight hundred seventy nine thousand four hundred and three dollars and twenty seven cents that twenty seven cents makes all the difference i'm gonna say this one is true i think that's not an unreasonable amount to spend on an ad campaign that would be as significant as this one would have been for gillette 1984 is like in 1984 yeah we're talking like peak zz top popularity so i'm gonna say this is a fact this is a fact all right yeah there goes your shutout with a mulligan oh this one's also a mulligan no uh, (laughs) no no at the very worst my lossless streak continues Mm -hmm. but mine can begin next week potentially depending on how this last one goes Mm, it depends uh other information about that fact though before we move on hit me in 2012 gibbon said that there were no regrets and they still wouldn't do it today oh absolutely not i mean that's you're just selling out honestly can we also point out how drummer frank beard is the only non-bearded member of the band pretty ironic yeah we could point that out a second time oh did you already say that awkward <laughs> yes <laughs> yes i did but i gotta give you a pass because connor was here for that part not you mm, yes right uh which which fact would you like to do next no i don't like the way you're talking because if i'm my, <laughs> if my math is correct we should be down to the last one well would you like to do uh number two or bonus number five we absolutely just did number two. Oh, whoops. Actually, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you can't even keep track. <laughs> I want to play the game, he says. Would, <laughs> Let me just, whatever. Would you like to do number one or bonus fact number five? You know, this is like that thing in the game shows where like you pick yours and then they're like, okay, now you can keep what you pick or have this other thing. You know, do you stay or switch? Yeah, I think I'm going to stay. Going to stay. I want to hear the original four that you had. I feel like your fifth fact was like a break glass in case of emergency thing. And we aren't. This isn't an emergency, so fact number one. I'm glad I'm glad you picked that because I didn't actually have a fifth fact. Oh, okay. I was gonna say you have to read me the first fact. You can't just you can't just say whichever one you want. I was waiting on you to say number five and then be like, Well, too bad that one doesn't exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, too bad you don't get to make that joke. Yeah. Alright, so number one, Robin Williams would paint himself blue and sing a song about one of their tours. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> Is it their famous worldwide Texas tour? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That tour, like, burnt them out. They went all over the place, and it exhausted them. Worldwide Texas tour in 1976. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. That's that's a lot of yeps. What does Robin Williams... Is this, like, a comedy bit that he's doing? Because... Who said this had anything to do with Robin Williams? (laughs) 
Listen, basically, what I'm saying is... Yeah, say what you're saying. They've got a zoo. I'm telling you, it's a world-class menagerie. Is this a is this a genie thing? This is a genie joke. This is just a genie joke, yeah. That's why I said paint himself blue and sing a song in Aladdin when he's the genie. Like, and because what I'm telling you is that on tour, they had live animals on stage with them. And it's a world tour, so it's a world-class menagerie. World-class exhibit of, of wild animals. This is the worst translation <laughs> <laughs> of what you say to what you mean ever i knew you'd hate it that's why i had to do it <laughs> I, robin i just need you to understand robin williams didn't paint himself blue to voice the genie nobody would for this if he had done this he would have <laughs> forget all the aladdin stuff that's all done i don't care what the actual fact says on their worldwide texas tour they brought a lot of animals along yeah and and having a lot of animals is just referenced in the genie's song yeah he says he's got a zoo i'm telling you it's a world-class menagerie prince Ali. i should have picked da, fact da, da, number da. five <laughs> what kind of animals did they bring on the worldwide texas tour uh, and again to remind you i think you glossed over this detail they didn't just bring them on the tour they brought them on stage well why else would you have them on the on the tour they're not like out in the back for them to go hang out with <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> I don't know, like a, like a zoo for people to see while they're waiting to get in. I don't know. They uh, had things such as a buffalo, rattlesnakes, oh, geez. tarantulas. Johnny Cashy? No, Johnny Cashies that I'm aware of, unless they're native to Texas. It hasn't been discovered yet at this <laughs> point in history. That doesn't mean they didn't have it with them. They, they pre-discovered it. <laughs> Buffaloes, rattlesnakes, tarantulas. Is that it? Uh, vultures. Vultures, okay. The rattlesnakes were venomous, if that matters to you. Oh, I think all rattlesnakes are, which is why they rattle. A menagerie of wild animals on stage with them. So how are these animals on stage? They're not just rattlesnakes slithering around. They're playing the drums. Yeah. They're <laughs> shaking their little rattles in time. Yeah. You know, whatever. So they're they're like caged and displayed and stuff, right? What? Uh, I think they walked them out on stage or you know brought them out. Why is there like re- a reason for this other than to be cool and showy? They wanted to bring a taste of Texas to an international audience. Okay. <laughs> It's got to be hard to tour with a buffalo. I mean, the other stuff is kind of small, like rattlesnakes and vultures and whatever. Like, yeah, it's probably still a chore to to logistically take care of them on the road. But, I mean, buffalo? Yeah. That's a big one and unpredictable and very, I mean, tough to handle. I'm not so sure. Hmm. And it seems expensive, by the way. Almost expensive enough to consider shaving your beard for. I, yeah, almost. I think I'm going to say this one's a spin. Ooh. Yeah, and honestly, it's just for the buffalo. What if I told you that animal rights groups were there to help take care of the critters? Well, I feel like animal rights groups wouldn't want the critters there in the first place. Hmm. Well, this is a fact. Oh, no. (laughs) This is real? This is real. Yeah, animal rights groups were always present to make sure that these critters were being taken proper care of. Well, that's good. I mean, I'm glad about that. I'm just surprised that this happened in the first place. How do you get a buffalo on stage with lights and noise and and keep it, like, chill? Uh, maybe you put a blanket over its eyes so it can't see like a bird. (laughs) You think they put a bag over the buffalo's head and then yanked it across the stage and everyone went, ooh, that's what Texas is like. And I don't think you can see why I thought that this maybe would be false just based on the way that you conceive it. I'm just glad you picked this one last. It was a good, it was going to be my final ramp. It's a good final ramp. 
I always do seem to end with the rampiest fact. Mm-hmm. You're good at picking them. And now for the bonus fact. Number five. No, there's no fact number five. Fact number five? They are time travelers. What? Why is there a fact number five? <laughs> you said there wasn't. Well, I lied. It's what I do. <laughs> yeah, it is. So ZZ Top travel through time. How so? Like, did they ride in the DeLorean or? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> Z, like the the DeLorean from Back to the Future. Uh, specifically the one from Back to the Future Part Three. Are there different DeLorean? I've only seen Back to the Future Part One. I think it's the same one, but just in case they're different, I thought I'd clarify. And are you saying this because they cameoed in Back to the Future Part Three? <laughs> uh, yeah. Did you perchance <laughs> find this fact after I maybe suggested that you had facts about their TV cameos and you didn't, and you were like, "That'd be a good thing to find a fact about." Nope, had this the whole time. Mm. And so you just tanked my transition for fun? Yeah, kind of a liar. Unbelievable. <laughs> so they, who do they play in Back to the Future Part 3? Themselves? Where do they go? Do they go back in time, forward in time? Do they meet Marty McFly? Uh, they just exist in time, technically. I'm sorry. You're telling me the fact is they're time travelers, and you say that's because they exist in time. They were in a movie about time travel. Yeah, you know I like to stretch things. <laughs> well, you know what? They do travel through time chronologically at one time speed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're all time travelers. <laughs> do they have any lines in the movie? Do they do anything? Do they play music? Do you count singing as a line? Yeah, that counts. What they sing? An acoustic rendition of their song Double Back. Mm, that would make sense in a song where you're doubling back in time, maybe? I don't know. They wrote the song for the movie. Oh. And it also is used for the end credits. That's pretty cool. And since they did that, they put them in the movie playing an acoustic version of it. Nice. I think I'm going to say that this one is also a fact, and I don't... Yeah, going fact? Yeah, I just don't like that this happened. I just don't like that there's a secret <laughs> fifth fact. I'm a little bitter. Locking in fact. Yeah, I'm gonna... Okay. This is a spin. No, it's not. Come on. No, it's not. It's a fact. Wait, no, <laughs> I just wanted is... you to freak out. <laughs> it is... I just wanted to see your reaction to me saying it was a spin. <laughs> I called your bluff. I was just saying that because I was distraught, but it really was a fact. Wow. I wish I just made up a random movie now. So what you, let me just, I just want to point out for clarity's sake what you just did. Yeah, I know what I've done. Go you ahead. You just turned a 50-50 week into a loss for you. Incorrect. We agreed the first one was a mulligan. So no. we're 50-50. <laughs> we didn't agree to that. No, it was a mulligan. You said it yourself in fact number three that even with the mulligan, there there goes the chance for the win. So you acknowledge the mulligan. No. On a five-fact week, we had a 50-50. Wow, that's, yeah, first time for everything. First time for everything. I, I, I sometimes come with a safety one in case you surprise me with knowledge. That is my goal, to surprise the world with knowledge. That's what this podcast <laughs> is all about. Yeah, but I really did enjoy this one, and then you brought up the whole thing. I was like, well, now I kind of really want to use it. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, 50-50 week. Well, kudos to you for a fun round of factor spin. Those, those were great. All facts. ZZ Top had a lot of cool facts. All facts. Yeah. Buffaloes and beard shaving and that one random guy in Alvin. How cool. How cool is he? I bet he doesn't even know that he's on this podcast right now. Hey, if you're listening out there, you don't have to be anonymous to us. Hey, if you're listening, tell us your name. Oh, what if we were the ones that revealed it? We were the only ones that knew. <gasps> Can we? Yeah, tell us and then we'll taunt ZZ Top with it and they won't care. Mm -hmm. But it'll be fun for us. <laughs> so give us a call. But until then, I'll have to go back to the untrue and keep working up some more facts and spins. That's right. I'm, I'm a little worried about our next episode. I don't think I'm going to do too well. <laughs> 
Stop that. You'd stop that quitter talk. You're going to do great. I just I can feel it already. I'm going to have a really off week. No, no. I don't think you will. I, <laughs> for the record, you listening to this episode, we're not talking about episode 90. That'll be a singles episode. We're talking about episode 91, which is one of Connor's picks. Yeah, I have to go against Connor, and I never do well against him. Yeah, you do. You, you do pretty well. Best I've ever done is tie. Well, that's all about to change, I think. I'm not rooting for you. I'm rooting for Connor, but I think you're going to do really great. But we'll see. Stay tuned. Until then. Yeah. Welcome back, Connor. I am back. Yes, you are. I meant to ask earlier, are you very familiar with ZZ Top? Some of these songs you have to know. And, I mean, you talked about how you knew LaGrange, so. I've been known to top off my ZZs every now and again. (laughs) Top off your ZZs? Like, yeah, you know, you want a good top off. It sounds like you're just getting extra sleep. You know, like I didn't, I woke up and, oh, I didn't get enough ZZs. Better take a nap and and top them off. Top them off. Let's talk about the album cover for Eliminator. Although we kind of already did because the album cover is literally just the Eliminator car with its headlights shining bright. It's pretty cool. It's a pretty rocking car. It's awesome car. It is. And I don't even think this picture quite does it justice because you don't get to see the cool ZZ down the sides, you know, the racing stripes and Mm. you don't really get a sense of it. Yeah. But I do like what the headlights are doing. The headlights are cool and the head on view is very intimidating. And I don't know, you can almost hear the engine rev when you look at it. And I mean, fire up any of these songs and you just immediately get the sense of it based on the cover and what you're hearing. I love it. There you have it. That's the album cover for Eliminator. Yep. Well, let's talk about all those 11 tracks on Eliminator, starting with track number one, Gimme All Your Lovin'. Gimme All Your Lovin'. (laughs) It is one of the band's signature songs, one of their most well-known, I think. I mean, I knew it before I really gave a hill of beans about ZZ Top, but it's a great one. It's one of the first times the band worked a lot of synths into one of their singles and had it explode, and it was really successful. Yeah, it's a great song. It really is. I mean, you're singing it. I've had it stuck in my head for the longest time. (laughs) One of the reasons that this album so heavily features the Illuminator, the car, is that uh, it, it was featured in this music video first. When they went to make the music video, Gibbons was like, I've already spent a quarter million dollars on this, so let's let's shove it in the video and that way what we can do with the car is turn it into a business expense and write it off on our taxes oh and so he did and so that's why give me all your loving is the reason why the eliminator is so prominently featured in the music videos and the album cover and stuff it was a tax break we should do that should we just get a 250 million dollar car and then put it in a music video on connor's hippin and hoppin album well anything we want to write off we should just do something with on the podcast do with it on the podcast <laughs> Mmm, sounds sketchy. This song, the vocals on this song surprised me a lot. Give Me All Your Lovin' is not the kind of song you would expect from guys who look like ZZ Top and play a lot of blues rock music. At least not on the chorus. I mean, the verses maybe. But there's a couple spots in this album where I was like, oh, I'm. that's not what I thought it would be, you know? What'd you expect it to be? I don't know. I just kind of, I mean, you look at Billy Gibbons and you listen to him talk. I just kind of figured it'd be a little more gruff and rough and I don't know. But the harmonies on that chorus, it sounds like... It sounds almost Def Leppard-ish. It does. That's actually a really good comparison. Yeah, and that just that caught me off guard. <laughs> Give me all your loving. It's a pretty lighthearted song, like most of the ones on this album. You know, we talked a lot about their humor and their just general jovialness. That is pretty evident here. Nothing too serious, really easy to get into and rock out. And then we go into track two, Got Me Under Pressure. I like Got Me Under Pressure as a, as a good way to propel the album forward. It doesn't have the star power, Give Me All Your Lovin', but it doesn't need it in the second track slot. No, but I still like it. Oh, me too. Yeah. Billy Gibbons, about the song, he says it's not a personal song. He said, everybody asks if Under Pressure was about a girlfriend of mine. And he said, fortunately, that kind of pressure we're not under. Maybe it's just because we got out of town on time. I don't know. <laughs> 
But it's about this girl who is putting a lot of pressure on him, uh, who, who really has him tied down. And she gets a little intense, I will say. The lyrics, <laughs> a little raunchier. Raunchier even than Give Me All Your Lovin'. I mean, whoa. By the time we get to verse three, she could give Barry Manilow a run for his money. <laughs> and by the time we hit the bridge, he's so under pressure. He's worried about trying to leave her because he's afraid he's going to end up dead in a ditch. Like, that's intense. And it's a good, yeah, it's a really good thing they never had to feel that pressure. It's a similar style to a lot of the rest of the album, but it's distinct enough, I think. And that's kind of what comes with the territory for them trying to integrate synths and pop stuff into their style and stay within this really tight, clean, tempo range, slick production. Like, you can tell. it's It's got this album's thumbprint on it, but it stands out in its own way. I like the uh, guitar on this one a lot. Yeah, it's a little faster. Yeah. You know, they, they work it in a little better in between phrases. Yeah, and the instrument middle break that they do after the verse three it's good good yeah i know you're not usually one for necessarily a, a ton of instrumentals in non-instrumental music but i'm glad you like it but it's still nothing compared to the next track <laughs> darn right sharp dress man is another one of ZZ Top's absolute biggest hits. Probably one of their most abundant works. Like, you'll find Sharp Dressed Man in TV shows and commercials and movies, and it gets around. The mixtaper's a big fan of this song. Really? Does he consider himself a sharp-dressed man? I think he does, because uh, every morning when he wakes up and he's going getting ready in the morning, I hear this song playing from The Untrue. I think this is like his morning soundtrack. This is his hype mix? Yeah. He just plays this? As he, you know, as he gets his supervillain costume on in the morning. Every single morning. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, sharp-dressed man, what a strong start for this album with these big three right off the bat. Like I said, it's been very well known. It reached number two on the charts, so another huge hit for the band, and it's been covered in a bit of a spin cycle crossover by Blondie's Debbie Harry and Nickelback. It's made appearances in all kinds of media from Beavis and Butthead to Duck Dynasty to Guitar Hero to Evan Almighty with Steve Carell. It's everywhere. It's a good song. It is, and it's about just what it says. Every girl's crazy about a sharp-dressed man, which is a bit of a broad brush. (laughs) You know, for the rock song, it makes sense. As Dusty Hill puts it, though, he says sharp-dressed depends on who you are. If you're on a motorcycle, really sharp leather is great. If you're a punk rocker, you can get really sharp that way. You can be sharp or not sharp in any mode. It's all in your head. He says, if you feel sharp, you be sharp. So lyrically, that's what they do for the whole song. I don't know if I I feel at my sharpest in my PJs. Then Yeah, see, then you could be sharp in your pajamas. That's how it works. It's about the confidence. Because every girl crazy about a PJ-dressed man. Yeah, if you rock it, you know, you rock it. No, there's no question about it. But yeah, that's what they do for the whole song is they just describe outfits and i love how the very first thing he says is clean shirt like that's where the bar is at the start of the song every girl's crazy about a man who wears a clean shirt but then eventually you know we move on to the gold watch the diamond ring the cuff links the top hat i mean that's impressive that's pretty sharp although i don't do you think do you think if you walked out in a top coat and top hat right now like somewhere that all the girls would go crazy for you yeah oh there's only one way to find out it's kind of you know what it kind of is remember on good charlotte boys and girls girls don't like boys girls like cars and money yeah this is if you if you dress sharp it just flaunts your money and yeah that's what it is this song is so much better than that (laughs) i'm sorry i compared them (laughs) gibbons calls the song a successful marriage of a techno beat with bar band blues which feels pretty accurate to me he says it's one of the band's favorite songs to play 
And he said it just sets the mood perfectly. Wherever you may be, it just does something to you. And I got to agree, wherever I am, the song does do something to me. It makes me listen to a ZZ Top song. Yeah, or skip a ZZ Top song, <laughs> depending on your mood. <laughs> well, that's, yeah, that's true. But honestly, if you're going to skip a ZZ Top song, I mean, you might duck out halfway through the next song. I need you tonight. <laughs> it is so long. Boy, it is so long. It's the longest song on the record by about two minutes. And it's interesting. You know, I don't dislike it. I use that as a segue because we were talking about skipping songs and I just wanted to talk about how flipping long I Need You Tonight is. But it's not bad. It finally deviates from the speed of the other songs. And it's a slow groove, really heavily grounded to the one note of the scale, and it never, ever strays too far from the tonic note and the main chord. So it feels a little droney, almost. And in that way, it kind of conveys this sense of desperation, like a dramatic montage in a movie is how I Need You Tonight feels. I don't know if you got those vibes. Oh, sure. Sure. Why not? I don't know. I just picture it like, like the main conflict in a movie has just come to a head. You know, the main character is starting to feel dejected and like kicking a can down an empty street. I don't know. I can hear it. I can hear it and I need you tonight. The one thing that does help this song make it all the way to the six minute, 18 second finish line are the really soulful guitar fills. They use that guitar so well. And I mean, there's so many of them already in this album. Instrumental break after instrumental break after instrumental break. Credit where credit's due. They know what they do well and play to their strengths. I go back and forth on this song. Yeah. Why is that? Oh, it's just like, as I was listening to the song, I was like, I like this song. And then I'd be like, I'm tired of this song. And they'd be like, no, I like this song. And then I was like, I'm tired of it. I don't know. I went back and forth on it. Yeah, it ebbs and it flows. I can understand that. It is one of the more popular songs on the album, according to your beloved Spotify plays. It is top half. Yeah, but not by a even close margin. Nope. The People's Champion, TPC, everybody. He says you're wrong. I didn't say that. I simply, if anything, I'm uh, I'm saying you're wrong. I'm saying the, the people know that there's a clear divide on this album, and you're trying to lump this one in with songs that the people would not. Hmm, whatever you say. I say what the people say. Okay. Up next is a song that they bafflingly made track five, I Got the Six. Why couldn't this be track six? What? Oh, why couldn't I Got the Six be track six? Yeah, it just makes sense. Because six needs to be what six is. That's why. I Okay, yeah, okay. I'll, we'll get to that when we get to it, but for now... Track five. Should have called this song, I Got the Five. Boy, that's a whole different (laughs) song altogether. I don't know what that's about. But for some reason, as it stands, this song really reminds me of our episode on the nice. You know, just something about the way they play it. It really is reminiscent of of that episode and album. Oh, something about it. Yeah, something about it. Who's to say? Who's to say what? I don't know. I love the way it's really fast paced. It's a good jolt, a good startle to get us out of I Need You Tonight and back into the flow of the album. The vocals are really intense, too. It's a solid new direction for the record. And I really kind of like the bigness of the song. And the other thing that I really love, one of my favorite parts on the album, maybe. I doubt that claim myself, but one of the most memorable parts on the album that I really like every time I get to it is that little three hit beat they do in the middle of the hook bam 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 I got the six bam 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 you know what I mean how fun is that it is fun yeah it's a nice low stakes song really it just rocks you know what else rocks what's that walking around walking around is pretty great great way to exercise yeah great way to exercise something but you can't do it without some feet oh yeah and those feet have toes okay you're going the wrong direction no the next song oh oh oh, the wrong direction you're right you're right you're right the feet are connected to the ankles okay well we're almost there and those ankles connect the feet to the legs there it is 
<laughs> Legs is track six. And you're right when you say track six needs to be track six. Legs needs to be in the middle of the album. Yeah. I, I will agree with you. It's another massive hit for the band. And, I mean, you can really hear the integration of that synth into this song. I mean, you want to talk about a successful marriage of pop trends and blues roots. This is that. And it was another moment for me. Like, Give Me All Your Lovin'. I mean, everybody talks about Legs. I'd heard people say, oh, Legs, what the song, the great, you know, everyone raved about it. But I just hadn't heard it. And when I did, it was just another moment, like Give Me All Your Lovin', that I really was not expecting vocally. It is not the rough, gruff, tough Southwest Texas blues stuff that I'm used to from them. It's its own kind of thing. It's just the, that beat, that bump, bump, bump. <laughs> Bum, 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 bang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about it? Oh, I, I like it. That within the fast way. I know, it's nice. Just really gets you going. It's true. And you talk about the ways that Got Me Under Pressure mixes up the guitar and kind of disperses it more throughout the phrases. This song I like for its little staccato guitar hits. Little blick, blick, blick. Like, that's so cool. <laughs> it's such a change. A real different flavor. How do you feel about some of the rhyming on this song? You know, it's a good question, and it's a thing I have to consider about a lot of these different songs, because the lyrics are so unserious, you know what I mean? They're so funny, so sarcastic, so incisive that I kind of don't mind a simple rhyme here and there. I mean, use them, choose them, it's fine, behind them, find them, They're they're not anything revolutionary, but it really does such a good job of, like, keeping the mood high, keeping you engaged through these quick little blips. Legs is pretty great. It's one of it would be one of my top threes if that's a thing that I did. I think, but it's not a thing you do. No, but that's why I said it would be and not it is. Mm. I'm gonna pull that move in the future at some point and just be like, if I did a top twenty, this would be in it. If I did a top seven, oh come on, <laughs> darn it! I'm giving you tools. Be careful. <laughs> Whatever. You can't bully me into doing things. Uh, that would make you a thug. I am a thug. I didn't choose the thug life. The thug life chose me. Did it? I think the thug life gave you a pretty wide berth. (laughs) The thug life saw me and crossed the street. (laughs) Thug starts out nice and wobbly, but then when the drums come in, they hit that really unexpected rhythm. I think that's always really fun. And thug is such a great place for the bass to shine. Top notch. I mean, give Dusty his moment in the sun. Thug is it. So many cool bass hooks and bass licks on thug oh it's top notch a hundred percent and just the whole the ploppiness of it is the best i can describe it is it's ploppy ploppy yeah like bloop, 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 bloop. like water droplets okay i see what you mean yeah the yeah. slap in the bass and stuff that- yeah heck you could you could sneak in a water cooler as an instrument here and it would fit right in you know, like when you take like the big jugs of water, like a drip on a water cooler. You know, there's like the big jugs of water, and like when you put a new one in, it starts going bloop 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 as the air pocket like rises to the top. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, yes. Like that would fit in on this track. I guess it would. <laughs> Maybe thug water. Yeah, I like how each of these songs feel very unique and distinct, but they all kind of echo each other. It's that same thumbprint. Yeah, like the cohesiveness of the album is 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 good. Yeah, absolutely. I hear bits and pieces that remind me of Sharp Dressed Man or TV Dinners or Give Me All Your Lovin' in this song and vice versa. I hear a lot of this in those. Yeah. And that makes this album feel very consistent and very thorough. Kind of like they explore every far-reaching corner of what they can do within the confines of their style. I agree. 
And it's nice. Thug is a quality track. And then we get to talk about TV dinners. Which one's your favorite? What? Which TV dinner's your favorite? Oh, I don't know. I always did like the little lean cuisine. The one with the penguin. Those lean cuisines. The kid cuisines. What are those? I don't know what you're talking about. With the chicken nuggets and stuff. With the penguin. Uh, yeah. With the penguin. I don't know. It's kid cuisine. Kid cuisine. Interesting. Hold on. I always had this bad habit of throwing away the, the box before reading the instructions. <laughs> Yeah, I am weirdly familiar with that habit of yours. <laughs> and then you always have to, yeah, like peek at it in the trash can to figure out how long you're supposed to cook it. Oh, oh, I forgot there was a penguin mascot for those. Yeah, 100%. Those, I, I ate a lot of those. Dude, the brownies in those were always on point. Yeah. It was the like probably the most unhealthy, unnatural, worst brownie in the world now as an adult, like looking back on it. But as a kid... Like, those brownies, I savored every bite of those brownies. Really? Yeah. No, I was with the adults. I was not a fan. <laughs> no, I would, like, scrape the side of the container trying to get more of that brownie out. I just loved the brownies. Oh, my gosh. How's it, okay, how's that compare to the pinkle sprinkle of a Coheed Cosmic brownie? Better or worse? Pro- uh, today, probably worse. But back as a kid, I would have taken penguin brownie over pinkle brownie any day. Wow surprising but today adult connor craves the pinkle good to know when i accidentally saw them live (laughs) i did not know tv dinners and they started playing it and i was like listening to them i was like am i hearing this right what am i listening to what is this song and it's just so i don't know so out there i think better than any other song on this particular record tv dinners really shows off their sense of humor and their ability to kind of balance being a serious rock band with their really infectious fun side or kind of a novelty side without fully transcending into the genre of like a meme band like Weezer or something. Interesting. What? Do you not think so? Uh, no, I think, I guess I agree. I just never thought about even like that comparison as being a thing. Well, it's not really a comparison so much as it's, it's just, you never thought about it is because ZZ Top isn't a meme band. They didn't go the Weezer route. Nobody thinks of ZZ Top as a joke. They still take them seriously as a, as a band. Right. And that's because they're so good at songs like TV dinners that strike that balance. Fair enough. The hook in between verses gets me every single time. It's a fat sound. The bass and the guitar kind of work in tandem to really drive it home. And it's funny how serious that sounds in the context of the song it is a bit of a shock when the song first starts he just goes tv dinners and you're like wait what that's yeah exactly (laughs) my reaction to a t especially like sandwiched pun intended between a thug and dirty dog (laughs) yeah no doubt it's it's like two of the most i don't know serious ish songs on the album and in between them is just this little fun thing that synth organ is also just relentless on this one. It's a constant little plink, 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 almost like Thug. Again, see, that's that crossover from track to track, how everything kind of borrows from itself. TV Dinners is almost nothing like Thug, but they have some elements in common that just really tie them together. Also, uh, I feel like we should just address liking the chicken if the sauce isn't too blue. Like, you're really rolling the dice on that chicken sauce, ZZ Top. Don't don't eat the blue sauce. I kind of wondered if that was supposed to be like a you know like a, like the chicken cordon bleu or whatever like that's supposed to be like a pun kind of that. No, I think it's just supposed to be about how bad TV dinners are quality wise. Maybe that's what the dinner was packaged as. It's meant to be a cordon bleu TV dinner, oh. but instead it's just 
sauce with blue food coloring in it because it's a TV dinner. What do you expect? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's just chicken cordon. The blue comes later. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm terrified. Chicken cordon blue always makes me think of Corbin Blue, the guy from High School Musical. Chicken cordon <laughs> blue, you know? Does it? Does it? Have you never thought that? You don't tell me. That might be the funniest thing you've ever said in your life. <laughs> don't tell me you've never thought that. I don't think I have, but I will forever from now on. Yeah. Sorry. If you just heard me say that and now you also will never think of it the same way again. I'm sorry, but I just need you to feel what I feel. Experience that with me. Oh, gosh. Anyway, Dirty Dog. Track number nine. It's another instant energy track. Really busts out right out of the gate. Doesn't mess around. This song disappointed me a little bit. Did it? Why? It sounded too much like Sharp Dressed Man there for a bit. Oh. Like you were talking about how you can feel some of the other songs, you know, within each other. But this one, like there was like a whole run (laughs) where I was like, this is almost rhythmically and musically the exact same as Sharp Dressed Man. Like you just had to change the lyrics. No, honestly, you're right. This is like, you know how shows sometimes try and like have a song included that makes you think of a different song without trying to break the copyright? Like when someone wants to use Don't Stop Believing yeah. or Eye of the Tiger, but they can't play that song, so they make a song that sounds a lot like it. This is like that of Sharp Dressed Man. Yeah. <laughs> In like a bizarro dimension version. And only for like bits of it. I mean, not the entire time, but enough. Right. Enough that I was like, all right. Yeah. No, that's true and fair. I don't know. By this point, I was realizing that Eliminator was going by really fast. Like, it's such a fast, easy-to-listen-to album. Even though, for just 11 tracks, it's probably on the longer side. You know, coming in at over 45 minutes long for just 11 songs, that's that's a little bit longer. But it feels like it's not. And I like that. What I do love about Dirty Dog, though, is that gritty synth that underscores this one in particular is so emblematic of the album. Like, if you're looking for an example of what they've done to add the synth in. I mean, look at Legs and look at Dirty Dog. And the echo that they use on his voice is so strong. (laughs) Like, it's a very intense echo, which is just unusual for the album so far. But I like it. It's all right. It is. Up next is If I Could Only Flag Her Down. And I'll tell you what. I don't know if you have the same thought. This song really kind of breaks the mold of the album and feels a little more classic blues instead of so blues rock. Sure does. It kind of reminded me of some of the Stevie Ray Vaughan tracks that we talked about 50 whole episodes ago. Like, Close to You, you know? Closer Than a Pig Is to Pork, whatever. If I Can Only Flag Her Down really feels a lot like that. Like, if Stevie Ray Vaughan did this song, I would not be surprised. Can we just talk about how good of a villain Davy Jones was in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies? I mean, I guess we can. (laughs) Somehow always coming back to Johnny Depp. Davy Jones was a good villain. And I'm sure they didn't have any idea about it when they wrote the song, because he didn't come for a couple years. It's an easy song. It's a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and out. You know, it's quick. Well, the, you know, minute and a half instrumental at the end really does add on to that. But vocally, lyrically... Yeah, it it honestly, the the instrumental overstayed its welcome a little bit for me on this one. Oh, did it? Yeah. Well, that's sad. What I will say, though, is this Billy Gibbons voice is the one I was expecting all this time from ZZ Top. Low, raspy, almost nothing like legs. I mean, this is the nitty gritty one. Yeah, again, it breaks the mold, and I don't know if I liked it. I liked the mold. Oh. It was a good mold. Yeah, well, unlike the one on the blue chicken sauce. (laughs) There, it wasn't so good. It's what gives the chicken the flavor. Yeah. 
So this one reminded me a lot of Stevie Ray Vaughan. Bad Girl surprised me. And it reminded me a lot of another blues episode, well, blues adjacent episode we did that we don't talk about as much. This song, Bad Girl, feels very Aerosmithy to me. Oh. We don't talk about it as much, but I feel like it's ever present in our hearts. It is. It's part of the it's woven into the DNA of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Aerosmith as an episode shaped our future. It really did. It was one of those core memory moments. Yeah. But Bad Girl is the song, I mean, feels Aerosmithy. What a great vocal performance here. It almost reminds me of Steven Tyler. And the style, I mean, it's upbeat, it's rocky. The other thing I like about Bad Girl is it kind of inverts the formula for ZZ Top. It's another mold breaker in a certain sense. Because instead of writing on the one chord and then breaking it up with the four or five, Bad Girl hangs onto the four chord for the verses and then resolves to the one at the end of a phrase. So it kind of feels inverted from the rest of the songs in that way. And I like that. I love when you talk nerdy to me. That's why I started a podcast. (laughs) That's why we're here. I didn't understand a word you just said, but it sounded awesome. Great. And that sudden musical stop at the end is so, like, what a good end to the album. It's a perfect conclusion with a lot of finality. It's great. And it ends, of course, with another, I mean, almost minute-long instrumental. But it stops hard, and you gotta love that. It stops hard and has a decent amount of silence. Yeah, it does. You almost expect it to pick back up. Yeah. There's this kind of momentum that comes when you hit to the end of the song. Like, yeah, it just flings you off the edge, and you're kind of left reeling for a second, which I like. I kind of expected one last thong from, like, the guitars and drumming, and there's, like, a stinger after that long pause. It's like a rough stop, the cart goes flying off the tracks, and then, like, the crash of the, the cart is, like, a one final... And, and then that's the end. Mm. But now it was just deafening silence. It was just it. Yeah, I like it. I think it's a great way to end the record. And thus, it is time for another final spin. As for this album, oh man, it's energetic. It's fun. It's fun to listen to. And you can tell as you listen to it that it was fun to put together. It's the spin a podcast of blues rock albums. Fun to listen to and you can tell it was fun to put together. You think? <laughs> fun to listen to and fun to put together. Yeah. yeah. It's great. You can tell that they just ripped this record out to jam. It's built for live shows and live audiences. Can we just give ZZ Top the the Spin It Spin It Award? Oh. (laughs) For being the most like the podcast? I don't know if it is, but sure. Why not? So, this album, top to bottom, very fun. Again, easy listen. I really enjoy it. Music. They cover, like I said, every corner of the blues. The synth integration is pretty seamless. I'm giving it an 86. I like it a lot. Lyrics, they're fun when they need to be, serious when they need to be. And while sometimes, yeah, the rhymes and stuff are a little simple, I really think that may be what the style and these songs need. So, I'm giving lyrics an 83. Instruments of production, so cool. I mean, it's an album where he can't even lift his fingers off the guitar when he's recording a lot of these rhythm tracks because it's so loud and that makes the production unique the album kind of stands alone in the way that it sounds each instrument gets their moment to shine the drums get their moment to kick in on fun beats the bass gets its day in the sun on thug you know everything is just on point instruments and production wise they wanted to clean it up and make a tight sounding pop friendly blues rock record and they really did 88 instruments of production and the overall vibe is just enjoyable 86 obviously they wrote all the tracks themselves so that's a bonus point for that and that gives them a total score of 86.3 which lands the record at number 205 in the rankings which actually is 
tied with the shins. Oh. Yeah, the shins got also an 86.3, and the tiebreaker comes down to their music score. ZZ Top is getting an 86 for their music. The Shins and Shoots Too Narrow only gets an 83. Mm. Uh, ZZ Top, I should point out, also has a couple points less in lyrics, but the instruments and production is higher and the vibe is pretty similar. So that's the difference. Episode 41, I think, if you're curious to know more about the Shins. Go check it out. And if you are checking it out because we told you to check it out in this episode, be sure to tell us that. Let us know. But that's me. What about you? You you kept the cards a little close to the chest on this one. Not as close as some other albums, but... Not as close as I have. I quite enjoyed this album, I think. You've accused me of not being a fan of the blues, and I've said that. I just wasn't a fan of what you've brought me. Uh-huh. Well, I like this. I know this is blues rock, but... <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a little different. A little but different. like I said, some of these songs could just be Stevie Ray Vaughan songs. You know, it's not too far from what we've done. I think these are better than Stevie Ray Vaughan. Okay. My top three in album order. Give Me All Your Lovin', Sharp Dress Man, Legs. Nice. All pretty obvious picks, I think. Yeah, no surprises in the top three. Yeah, with the Conorable Mention going to TV dinners. Mm, that one doesn't surprise me either. <laughs> it's just, that's such a you-oriented song. Yeah. I think that is, yeah, way more in your direction than some of these others. However, if I did pick a top 11... No, okay, no. <laughs> whoa, whoa. I'm gonna threaten you with that all the time now. I know. And this album is gonna get... Well, if you said it's better than Stevie Ray Vaughan, I mean, we know it's gonna go somewhere above... A six. A six, that's right, which is kind of not a surprise. (laughs) That's not like some big revelation. But Aerosmith also got a six. Another blues rock. Is this gonna be the blues rock that rises above? It is not. Not? Not. Wow. No, that was a double not. Oh, it's a double knot. Okay. <laughs> it's a double knot. So it's not not. It's not not. So it is. It's not not gonna. <laughs> rest, so it is. Whatever. Just quit playing your mind games and give us a number. This gets a seven from me. Seven. Uh huh. I can get behind that. And I think it's gonna go right above. Nevermind by Nirvana. And right below The Young and the Hopeless. And I coincidentally, I really do think this is like <laughs> the first episode since The Young and the Hopeless that we've mentioned the episode. <laughs> I feel like it doesn't come up a lot. So what are the odds? But that's cool. Okay. Yeah. Above Nevermind, I, I disagree with that placement, but I don't disagree with the seven from you. I mostly disagree about Nirvana, not this. That's a whole other. <laughs> that's a whole another can of worms. That's a story for another episode, but we already did that, so. Yeah, go check out episode four if you wanna if you wanna <laughs> hear us debate that one. And as for my unit, because you know the, a seven is meaningless without a good unit to help you understand. Yeah, to put it in perspective. Uh, this one's gonna get seven Corbin Blues out of ten for me. Awesome. Are we talking like Jump In Corbin Blue or High School Musical Corbin Blue? Uh, High School Musical Corbin Blue, Blue obviously. Okay. Get your, get your, get your, get your head in the podcast. Or I Don't Dance. Uh, I Don't Dance. Yeah, yeah. It's... Let me just say, I think that's the superior Chad. I Don't Dance is, is Chad at his peak. I think it is too. I, I know you can. Not a chance. No, no. If you can do this, I can do that. Hit it out of the park. I don't dance. Hey, batter, batter, hey, batter, batter, swing. Hi. <laughs> what are, okay, we're getting off track. Uh, 
Corbin Blues, awesome. That's your. That's probably the unit you've ever given with the best hair. Oh, the best hair unit. Can we? Maybe that's the ZZ Top Award, the Spinning Best Hair Award, just for my unit. <laughs> but they do have the best beard hair too. You know what? I can get behind that. I can get behind the best hair for their beards and Corbin Blue. And for Corbin Blue, <laughs> sure. The full package. Yeah. So how about those playlist picks? Oh, 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 playlist picks. I, uh, I mean, I'm fine with your top, top, whatever. Pick whatever you want. Give me all your loving. No. Oh. <laughs> Just pick a song. Oh, wait. Oh, okay. Got it. Yeah, that's a good pick. Uh, Then I think I have to take Sharp Dress Man. There's no way I can't. Yeah. We'll take the easy way out on this one because. Yeah. Yeah. I almost took Sharp Dress Man, but then I was afraid you wouldn't go with Give Me All Your Lovin'. And since that's the one we're both singing, you know, it has to be on the playlist. Yeah. I am a little sad to see Legs not make it, though. Well, it's true. A little sad. This podcast's got Legs. And we know how to use them. We've been going for a long time now. Can you believe we're in the 90s? We're not, but we will be. Oh, this is still in the 80s? Awkward. This 89 this is the last episode of the grady sorry 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 sorry. can you believe that we're almost done with the 80s yes i can i'm very excited about it we've been i've really enjoyed we're getting dangerously close to two years two years very close and to episode 100 we're gonna be triple digits soon and then we're old enough to drink that's an old joke that you didn't like that i made a long time ago that's an episode zero joke was that really episode zero yes because i talked about how the the kings of leon had been a band for 18 years and you were like that doesn't make any sense and then i explained it to you and you're like that's stupid (laughs) and then i was like okay moving on (laughs) whoops how far we've come in almost two years honestly but if you want to hear old us riffing on things like how old albums are where can they find us? Everywhere. We are on Instagram at SpinitPod Official, on Twitter at SpinitPod, and on our website, www.spinitpod.com. We're also on various other social media sites, Twitch, TikTok, The Works. Our podcast is where you're listening to it right now, as well as everywhere else you could possibly want to listen to it. Not possibly, but if you find us somewhere that we're not, that we can be, let us know and we'll get there. But keep an eye on all those socials and the website and stuff for all kinds of fun stuff through the findies and all the way up to episode 100. I'm hoping to have some really cool 100 like features and party stuff and just like it'll be a fun time. Just the same way we celebrated our one year birthday. I feel like episodes 100 through 104 are just going to be wild because we're going to be celebrating, you know, episode 100 triple digits that big milestone and then turn right around and have our two-year anniversary it's it's gonna be a wild time that's gonna be a wild month really because it's like almost that's like five episodes it's true it's gonna be a blast and i'm looking forward to it we hope you are too uh, but we've got a lot of albums to cover before then, so stay tuned. Next week, we're doing a singles episode, and since we're moving into the findies, you know, the fine 90s, like, fine, like, dang, that's fine. Just, apparently, that's a thing we're doing now. <laughs> it's not. I don't know what we're going to do when we get to the hundreds, because I've already run out of ideas. <laughs> but we're doing a 90s-themed singles episode next week, so stay tuned. Get your 90s on with us. Bit on the nose. Well, okay, yeah. I planned it that way. I thought it'd be cool. Oh, no, it's absolutely cool. It's great. I just wanted to point out it's also a bit on the nose. Okay. It's good to be on the nose every once in a while. So it is, I think. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Have a great week. And until we see you again, until our paths cross in the in the not-so-distant future, may the hills rise to, no, what's the proverb? May the road <laughs> rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. And may you keep spinning. You have my sword and my shield and my axe. Never thought I'd keep spinning alongside a dwarf. How about alongside a friend? (laughs) Anyway, keep spinning.